You know what a Freudian slip is, right? It's when you mean one thing and say another. Sorry, I'm not sure. You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Weird Medicine contains mature contents that uh, may be offended to some listeners. <laughs> what did they wrong then? You know, your old house is like an oven. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valves exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast with the wave an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner who keeps the alternative medicine wackos at bay. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. I have also called them alternative medicine assholes, but not all of them are assholes. Many of them are wackos, however. And she who will do most anything for a glass of expensive wine, which uh, Derek is getting ready to find out, it's Lady Derek Diagnosis. Hey, Dr. Steve. And uh, we also have in the waiting room uh, our new friend. Can I say your whole name or just you want me? Derek Johns from White Pine, Tennessee. Hello. And uh, yeah, why is your why is your mic not doing? Just try that again. Check. There Hello. you go. Yep. Very good. And uh, he just wanted to come watch a, us do this. In San- and he's nervous. That's the hilarious thing. <laughs> nervous to watch. Did you tell I him don't was- blame him. <laughs> He was supposed to bring beer and food. I know. Where's our snacks? Yeah, actually, that needs to be a requirement. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes. I've got a muffin in the truck. Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> this is a show for people who never listened to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you've got a question you're embarrassed to take to a regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call. 347-766-4323. That's 347. If you're listening to us live, the number is 754-227-3647. That's 754... Bare Nip. Or 754-double-deuce-penis, as P.A. John used to love to say. Follow us on Twitter, at Weird Medicine, Lady Diagnosis, or Dr. Scott WM, and visit our website at weirdmedicine.com or drsteve.com for podcast medical news, and stuff you can buy uh, that... Uh, Oh, yeah. Or go to our merchandise store at cafepress.com slash weirdmedicine. For a second there, I thought I was on SiriusXM and can't mention that. <laughs> Most importantly, we're not your medical providers. Take everything here with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, or whatever. Sommelier. Right. You're, yes, you're sommelier. Mm-hmm. And can a beer sommelier truly be a sommelier? Mm. I didn't know there was such a thing. Well, I see people say, "Oh, I'm a beer sommelier," and I, huh. I don't think that's. I haven't heard thing. that. I think there's like a word for that, other than sommelier. Yeah, let's find out what, what it is. is. What oh, is a beer? Is. Alexa, 
<laughs> Is there a beer sommelier? Sorry, I'm not sure. Hmm. So there's we no. Okay, they're chicharrones or cicerones. Yeah, cicerone, yeah. Is it Cicerone or yeah, Chicharrones? Because that would be Italian. I think the Chicharrones are those. those uh, that sounds like something you would eat in a like Mexican restaurant for, for, oh, for dessert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dipped in sugar and, and cinnamon. And cinnamon. Oh. She's always mm. thinking. Huh. She's Ray Daniels, a Chicago, a Chicago brewer, started the Cicerone certification program five years ago. And he did the, so for a very simple reason, bad beer. Oh. There you go. Well, we need to get P.A. John to get mm. his people to be master Cicerones. Mm-hmm. But they need to pronounce it chicharrones. Yes. That sounds much more sexy. <laughs> yes. It does sound sexy. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, very good. So there you go. So when someone calls themselves a beer sommelier, mm. they don't know what the fuck they're talking exactly. about. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Um, okay, so last show, I talked about um, the hysteria regarding coffee, particularly vis-a-vis what's going on in California, where um, they have a law that says if a product is known to have a certain carcinogens in it, and they have a list, then it has to be displayed. And somebody sued to get um, Starbucks to have to post these warnings because mm-hmm. it, uh, there are extremely small amounts of a known carcinogen called acrolein in it. And uh, But the, the crazy thing is, and I'm just sort of recapping what I did last week because you guys weren't here. Uh, acrolein is also found in um, French fries. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, anytime you heat potatoes up, you'll get this stuff. But it's in doses that are so minusculely small that they're felt to be safe. Just because something is a carcinogen at higher doses doesn't mean that it is in lower doses, even with cumulative dosing. So uh, I found an article that said, you know, the use of caffeine. Uh, uh, showed a decrease in all-cause mortality, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't have one for coffee. And I said I would like to find one for that just talks about coffee and mortality. So I found one, mm. and here it is. Give yourself a bill. I'm giving it to myself. Good boy. This is from Public Health Nutrition 2015, and it is called The Association of Coffee Drinking with All-Cause Mortality, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. So a systematic review... So when you go through and find every freaking article you can find. Mm-hmm. And then the meta-analysis where you take all the data that can be compared and pool it together to get a more strong result, right? So you're mm-hmm. taking a bunch of little studies and making it into one big study. And uh, these are decent ways to um, uh, to get information. The, of course, the best, Derek, is – He's asleep. Exactly. A double, <laughs> double blind, blind placebo. placebo. I was uh, a prospective double blind placebo controlled study. Yeah. I just wanted. God, that makes me hot. <laughs> you were you were enamored by his yeah. blathering or whatever, <laughs> right? So, but these are pretty good. Systematic reviews with a meta analysis is a valuable way to to tease data uh, or tease answers out of data. And uh, this one was coffee. So they said um, seventeen studies including a million participants and 131 death events from all causes were included in this study. So this is a big-ass damn data set. 
And um, they found a U-shaped dose-response relationship between coffee consumption and all-cause mortality. And uh, so compared with non- or occasional coffee drinkers, the relative risk for all-cause mortality were 0.89. I'll explain this in a second. For uh, one to less than three cups and 0.87 for three to less than five cups a day. And then back up to 0.9 for uh, greater than five cups a day. So um, uh, uh, an answer of one would be it's no different. Mm -hmm. There's no effect. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and at one point, anything greater than one would say that they had more deaths. So anything less than one would be less deaths. Uh, uh, And this is all cause. This is cancer, heart attack, stroke, um, uh, bus Getting run over by a bus, getting shot by a jailer. Drowning. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Doing doing champagne enemas and dying from alcohol poisoning, everything. Mm -hmm. And the people who drank coffee, particularly in moderate amounts, uh, one to three – no, I'm sorry, three to five cups a day actually had the lowest all-cause mortality. (laughs) So the the point I'm making is if you have a cholesterol medicine – and it lowers bad cholesterol, but it doesn't decrease heart attack and stroke. What good is it? Because that's what we care about. Right. We don't give a shit about these intermediate endpoints. We care about the true endpoint, which is reducing heart attack and stroke. So if I had a cholesterol medicine that made someone's bad cholesterol five times higher than the normal, but it, I could prove that it – decreased heart attack and stroke, oh, at the end, right. then we would write it. Mm-hmm. And so many of these these studies and, uh, you know, the drug reps out there that sell cholesterol medications that have not proven heart attack, you know, outcomes uh, benefit are cussing me right now because mm-hmm. they'll say, well, it reduces LDL, <laughs> so it must be good. And um, uh, it may be a class effect for statin-type drugs, but it's not a class effect for other drugs. And uh, yeah, and Doctor Scott's Dr. hitting Scott his hitting his forehead, <laughs> except that statins still are the only um, intervention in pill form other than beta blockers that have shown decrease in mortality and morbidity in people who are at risk. Mm-hmm. The take home message, though, for statins, right. of course, which Doctor Scott has once again derailed the conversation just by rolling his eyes at me, is that um, <laughs> you, you don't want to take those unless you're at high risk. Right. You know, and you need them. But anyway, uh, so we want to minimize people's exposure to those. But if you need them, they can be very valuable. Um, now, where the fuck was I before? I have no clue. Oh, oh, so, so you know, they'll say, oh, it's a class effect, and it may be for statins. But you know, they're pushing these drugs based on this intermediate end endpoint, which is decreasing LDL. And it's the same thing with this acrolein business. Yeah, it's in there. Well, maybe in small doses, it's fucking good for you because these Mm -hmm. people who drink coffee have a decreased risk of dying. Right. So uh, I I don't see the benefit of the warning label. It's just going to hurt. Well, Starbucks big, but you know it's going to hurt the mom and pop stores that sell coffee if they've got to put these warnings up. Uh, it it doesn't make medical sense to me to to and and but they're following the law, and it, so the problem is probably with the law that if there's any trace amounts of a carcinogen, you have to post it. Um, that's probably the problem. 
You found what? Needs to be clinically relevant. What were you going to yes. say, Scott? I was just going to add to that. I, I have seen research where we're drinking um, at least three cups of coffee a day lowers the risk of liver cancer up to 40%. Well, that's interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So this is all cause. That would include liver cancer. Specifically, yeah. There are some other um, uh, uh, studies that show an increased risk with hot liquids of esophageal mm-hmm. trouble, including cancer. Sure. And that may just be from the trauma from the heat. And it's all hot liquids. Which would be Doesn't similar to smoking, are. you know, just, just inhaling the hot smoke is Yeah, I wonder if the traumatic. heat from uh, smoking is is carcinogenic in and of itself. That's it. That'd be an interesting That's question. Good. I know the tar certainly yeah. is. But you would, you would think that heat over and over and over would eventually be... Yeah. Carson Jen. I don't know. I'm just I'm throwing it out there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. When I used to smoke, I don't remember getting a lot of heat in my lungs. Boy, you get that nice full feeling of smoke Rish. though when your lungs oh God. You get some heat on your your little penis when you drop the ashes. Oh, that is true. <laughs> that is true. And I caught the uh the pejorative uh, adjective that you used as well. <laughs> But uh, now, if you're flicking between your legs <laughs> and you burn your dick, you know. Uh, Why are you smoking th- naked? Well, I, well, he was sitting on the pot taking a dump and oh, smoking. Yeah, every day I would sit. I would sit and uh, I would smoke two on the pot every morning oh my before God. I took my shower. Um, and I would uh, flick between my legs, and I would burn the top of. Have you not ever heard this show? I must have told that story a thousand, thousand times. times yep. Anytime we talk about smoking, <laughs> I know that story. Anyway, she just tunes me out. <laughs> yeah, Derek knows it. <laughs> She's known us long enough to, to tune us both out, I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure. But anyway, yeah, so I, I might get dick cancer from the if heat is carcinogenic, but <laughs> probably not lung cancer from that. Dick is smoking hot. Anyway, All right. There you go. That's hilarious. I heard that lady diagnosis. <laughs> All right, uh, we've got some phone calls to take. Number one thing. Don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. All right. We will not do that. Uh, Ronnie B., thank you, sir. Uh, Area code 978, you're on Weird Medicine. Hi, Dr. Steve and Dr. Scott. Hey, man. How's it going? Brian from New Hampshire. uh, I'm nervous. For said joint arthritis, and a lot of people told me to try uh, acupuncture, but I, I... believe as much in that as I do tarot card readings. <laughs> well, okay. I don't know. I, I... No, that's a great question. So, uh, and your audio is terrible. You're breaking up pretty bad. What kind of arthritis do you have? Facet joint arthritis. Oh, okay. So he, so he has facet joint arthritis, Dr. Scott. So he's mm-hmm. going to have midline back pain. Mm-hmm. And tell us some of the other things that you've tried, and then we'll talk about um, the effect of acupuncture on that. Well, it took forever for the pain clinic to give me enough opiates to to get me to continue working. Yeah. But uh, I get an RFL, uh, nerve kill procedure, every six months, but it only lasts about three and a half, four months. Okay, but it and does I help. Get, the trigger point injections also did help out. Yeah. Okay. Well, the the one thing that um, that what Doctor Scott does. Mm is um, it, it? there's really no downside to it other than your pocketbook if it doesn't work. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, and, and most DOMs, which is what Dr. Scott is, you know, somebody that has DOM after the name, they did a four-year medical school, 
for traditional Chinese medicine. They a lot of them are, are so used to insurance companies not you know accepting them as a provider so they won't pay for it that they don't have to deal with in, insurance clerks or any of that stuff it's mostly cash only or cash or credit card so they actually cost a lot less right i mean do you mind saying what your what your initial visit is costs you usually runs about $100 yeah see that's one third of what it would be in a in a uh, regular you know consultative physician practice right, right. So um, so that's one thing. So it usually doesn't cost that much. Now, mm. why don't you talk? I'm, I've been doing all the talking, but you should, you're the expert on acupuncture. What can you do for him? Well, he's got facet arthritis. So the RFL is the radio frequency uh, ablation where they, they cauterize the little nerves between the facets. And those can be really beneficial, and they typically do last pretty well. The problem is sometimes those nerves grow back, and they'll actually double. They'll grow back two instead of one. Hmm. So then you get, you get twice. Twice the pain, strangely. You know, the thing I love about trigger points, just covering everybody's bases here, because I love the uh, the anesthesia, too. I mean, yep. those guys do trigger points. Um, I love those they, the needles. I do them in my Typically, office. Typically, yeah. What they've encouraged is not to use steroids in, in the um, trigger points because you actually get the same effect as you do using an acupuncture needle if you don't put any drugs in there. That's interesting. And that's because you don't need the steroids if you'll hit the, the motor point in a muscle or if you'll get down that facet. And what I do is actually with a facet joint arthritis, I'll start a needle right on the midline of the spine and just go laterally, which is to the side a little bit, mm-hmm. and go right down to that facet joint with, a, with an acupuncture needle. Dang. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so what and does then, that do? You don't put medicine in it? You nope. just hit it? Yeah, yeah, you just go right to that facet and you, and you um, work around that facet joint. You can even tap it. Um, but what that does increase is the blood flow. Um, it creates a histaminic response there. So, you know, an acupuncture is only the four or five thousand years old. So, yeah. you know, there's got to be a little bit of oh. benefit. <laughs> a little nah, bit. Of that, that logic doesn't fly. Oh, with shit. Me, but... I even think it's been around for that <laughs> My astrology years. is four thousand years old, too, and it's bullshit. You have data to back up what you astrology. have. Hmm. Somebody didn't read their horoscope this morning, I guess. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's, yeah, you know what? Listen, and, and you I mean tell, the, the thing in the newspaper that could be anybody? I'd do a double-blind, placebo-controlled study on that, and you guys will not be able to say, "Oh yeah, that's me." <laughs> <laughs> Impossible. But anyway, but anyway, but you know the the thing is with acupuncture, it's just like anything else. For some people, it's wonderful, and some people, it's not. For yeah. some people, radio frequency works, and it does. It doesn't for others, and epidurals work for some and for others, and it's it's really the amount of effort you put into it. But I will tell you this, um, the more opiates and uh, narcotics people take, the harder it is to treat their pain because their pain thresholds change. Um, so it's more difficult I to get those. You can't, yeah, you can't even yeah. numb them if they're It's hard to numb them. It on is. opiates, it's hard, can you? Hard to break through. So. Yeah, there's um, – here's just uh, one from a, uh, a journal called Medicine Evaluation of the Effectiveness of Acupuncture in the Treatment of Knee Osteoarthritis. It's not uh, – this is an extremely small case study, but they found acupuncture to be effective as an alternative or complementary treatment of knee osteoarthritis with high levels of improvement within a modest intervention period. Um, uh, just from my own experience, and this is anecdotal evidence – um, uh, I sent one of my coworkers to Dr. Scott because she was bent over, been to four different doctors. He gave her one treatment, and she was standing up straight with no pain after that. Mm-hmm. So and does that last, or do you have to maintain? With her, it did. You know, it's it the did. craziest thing. Hmm. So I, you know, the more acute it is, the better. The easier yeah. it is to treat. You know, the more chronic it is, the more difficult. 
I'm looking for some other uh, uh, some other uh, articles that have a little bit. Um, I, I've seen them. I'm just trying to do this on the fly, and it's a little bit harder to do. I was hoping Dr. Scott would talk a little longer. I can talk, Dr. Scott. <laughs> I need you to poke needles in every we inch can, of my body. We can do it. Treating the pain. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Remember, we were just talking about a, a meta-analysis. Sure. Here's a large study, uh, individual patient data meta-analysis. This was in the journal Pain. This is not a bullshit, you know, some complimentary medicine journal. And I'm not saying they're all bullshit, but, the, you know, the, there should not be an inherent bias in this. This is a regular Pain journal. Uh, and they said despite wide use, wide use, acupuncture remains controversial. And, um, you know, they did a meta-analysis on a bunch of different studies and uh, they said um, we also – we found clear evidence that the effects of acupuncture persist over time with only a small decrease in treatment effect at one year. Uh, we found no obvious association between trial outcome and characteristics of acupuncture treatment. But um, uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I'll just read you their conclusion. Acupuncture is effective for the treatment of chronic musculoskeletal headache and osteoarthritis pain. Treatment effects of acupuncture persist over time and cannot be explained solely in terms of placebo effects. Referral for a course of acupuncture treatment is a reasonable option for a patient with chronic pain. This is from a journal that pain management specialists Mm -hmm, write in, you know, and read. So I, um, uh, I, I, you know, what the hell? It, it's so if it's cheaper and it works most of the time, and it never makes worth it worse. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Why not try? Right, and, and it would only make it worse if you get in with somebody that took know a, what they're doing. Yeah, took a weekend course right. and doesn't know what they're doing, and then offers, mm-hmm. you know, the package For where you get acupuncture and a coffee enema, exactly. mm-hmm. and a prostate massage. That's you know, mm-hmm. they, for twelve hundred and fifty dollars. Well, that ain't a bad deal. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty good deal. <laughs> now we're talking. Uh, Hell, yeah. Scott, we, we, I may <laughs> I have just come up something. with something. <laughs> So anyway, but uh, I, I think it'd be worth trying. And, uh, uh, you know, I started off as a skeptic and the more data I see, the less skeptical I become to the point where, you know, I, I invited Dr. Scott to be in my office, mm-hmm. in our old office in a, in rural Tennessee. And it was a very successful partnership. So so anyway, that's why he's sitting here today. Even well, though I he, make sure that they have. Oh, you would What's want to see D O M after their name. It just if if he'll go to the, uh, the it's the N C C A O M dot O R G. That's just the National Clearinghouse, and you can find people who are board certified in in, in Oriental medicine. Yeah, yeah, and that's the best way to go. If you just go to someone who's a weekend warrior that that um took a you know weekend course, and yeah, really start. I think the perfect combination would be MD slash or DO slash DOM. That would be awesome. Well, you have any of those? Did you have any people that had MDs going through your school? Oh God, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. MDs and DOs, yep. Um, but you know, I don't know where this guy lives, but we can if he'll if he'll yeah, send if you us email, email us, we'll yeah. we'll hook you up. We'll send him a link for sure. It's become that fucking, right, fucking acupuncture show. <laughs> all right man hey i hope you feel better let us know thanks a lot. okay all right all right thanks a lot See you, man. Well, i haven't had that conversation in a while i think it's important well, yeah. all right let's see here um area code 765 you're on weird medicine hey dr steve hey man i uh 
I sent you a tweet a minute, uh, a little while ago. I have a friend that just getting over the flu, it was bad for like a week. He went to the doctor and actually got the swab test and had the flu and said his doctor told him the uh, flu shot wouldn't have done anything for him anyway. And <laughs> I'm just wondering, do doctors just say that so hmm. you don't feel bad about how I didn't get the flu shot? Well, this year, the flu shot wasn't that great. It, I think it had 10% effectiveness, something like that. Um, Scott could maybe look that up. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this case, that was actually kind of true, although uh, – and one year I got influenza, and I'd had the flu shot and the flu mist, and I still got it anyway, but I didn't die, and I didn't end up in the hospital on the ventilator like a lot of other people did that year. So um, – uh, yeah, you know, it, it, there should not be a sort of general um, thing where doctors are lying to people <laughs> just to make them feel better. You know, we're not supposed to do that. So I think in, I think in that case, they, they were just being sort of, uh, you know, ironic or humorous about it. But uh, in general, we're supposed to tell the truth no matter how difficult the truth is because people can't make – uh, a decision without being fully informed. And I'll have people come out to me and say, oh, don't come in. Don't tell mama she's got cancer because she can't handle it. You know, we don't want you to tell her that. Now, if mama's got her right mind, she has every right to know. But people have the right to defer decision-making to other people in the family. So in that case like that, I'll go in and say, well, now, honey, who, what kind of person are you? Are you the person that wants to know everything, or are you the person that is okay if your family knows stuff and you don't know and they help you make decisions? And if she says, I want to know everything, I am duty-bound to tell her everything. So do you have other examples of where doctors have uh, pulled this shit, or is just this just the one that kind of pushed you over the edge? Well, that's the that's the recent one. I had a I had a, uh, a friend of mine's wife had colon cancer, okay. and uh, two pack a day two pack a day smoker. Oh, smoking had nothing to do with your colon cancer. Yeah, it, and we looked it up, and it's it's a pretty good risk factor for it. Yeah, smoking's a good risk factor for everything. just about everything: bladder cancer, and they even maybe pancreatic cancer. But there are a lot of oncologists that feel the. The association between smoking and colon cancer is pretty tenuous. So, um, you know, if I if I do a death certificate and someone doesn't have emphysema and they don't have lung cancer and they have uh, died of colon cancer, often I will put that you know smoking wasn't associated with that because it, it as far oh, as I know, not a direct uh, association. I, I'm open to having my mind changed on that. So now I'm shit. Now I'm going to have to look it up. Let's just look it up and see. More study needed. Yes, more study. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Let's go uh, smoking and colon cancer, and we'll see where we're at with that. Because a lot of people who smoke are unhealthy and they don't eat right, and um, uh, uh, that's uh, those are also risk factors for for colon cancer. So you got to uh, be able to tease out all of that from the uh, data. Let's see here. Um, healthy living and cancer. No, that's not going to be it. I'm not, uh, okay, lung cancer patients with synchronous colon cancer. Now, that's a whole other story. Those are people that have colon cancer and lung cancer at the same time. Um, yeah, I'm not finding anything really outstanding here. I'll, I'll look that up some more to make sure I'm not telling people the wrong thing. But uh, what did you right, find? Then, when, then when, on, 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 when you looked it up, what did ahead. you find? 
I think I, they said it was a, a 12% increase in colon cancer rate. Okay, well, that may be. This says nicotine increases colon cancer cell migration. Now, we know that, that um, uh, when people smoke and they get cancer, they'll, a lot of times they'll say, well, I, I already have cancer. Why should I quit smoking? Well, the tar apparently causes the cancer, but nicotine will promote its growth. Nicotine binds with an enzyme called protein kinase C that is a known tumor uh, growth enhancer. So there is still is reason to quit even if you have, uh, uh, have already gotten cancer. Let's see here. So this yeah. one – Colon cancer, cell migration, invasion through epithelial and mesenchymal transition. So what they're concerned about in that case is that smoking may increase metastatic colon cancer. In other words, allowing the cells to get away from the tumor and, and uh, migrate to somewhere else. So I'll keep looking at that. That's interesting, but I'm not seeing just, right. you know, something just bound, you know. Uh, and I, I know it sounds like I'm just defending doctors because both instances you gave, I had a a good uh, excuse, and that's not um, my usual M.O. because I think a lot of my colleagues are pretty piss poor at, um, uh, uh, you know, bedside manner and explaining things and uh, and those kinds of things. But the, these are two examples I could say, well, I could see why they said it, you know. may not be technically uh, – on a- 100% correct. but Yeah. On a, on, a, on another quick note, I, I talked to you or t- tweeted back and forth with you a, a month or so ago. I'm on the keto diet, and I have the screaming shits. It's terrible. Yeah. I don't go for two or three days, and then it just – it's terrible. Yep. And and it's been it's been three months now, and it's not standardized, and I, I eat a lot of cauliflower and – and salads and and spinach and stuff, but it doesn't seem to do any good. Boy, it when it hits, you better be ready to go. Yeah, we've had other people call about that. Most people will get constipated on the keto diet, but there are a few people that can't digest certain sugars in things like cauliflower and broccoli and green leafy vegetables. And for them, we recommend uh, taking this stuff called Beano. It's over-the-counter, B-E-A-N-O, and it allows you to digest certain sugars that you otherwise couldn't digest. And when you have undigestible sugars in your gut, a couple of things happen. There may be bacteria that can digest them, and then they'll make gas. So, I mean, the byproduct from uh, bacterial fermentation is all kinds of different noxious gases, including hydrogen sulfide, which is uh, what makes your flatus, you know, so fragrant. And then um, uh, the other thing that will happen is you've got these little molecules running around in your colon. What are they going to do? They're going to draw water in through osmosis, and so now you're going to have diarrhea. So try getting some Beano and uh, taking it before you eat and see if that fixes that because it yeah go ahead Scott quick question though do you, do you still have a gallbladder yes okay good <laughs> oh, well that's the only other thing I was, well I mean because you know what if if he doesn't have a gallbladder people get those dumping syndromes yep well yeah. GVAC had that yep yep and, and uh, that may or may not be a part of it it was just 
Uh, right. Simple question. And really, um, that's post-cholecystectomy syndrome. So mm, those people have trouble. Different than dumping, sure. A little bit different than dumping syndrome, but it, the end result is the same. You just get all shit of a sudden like a massive shits. Yeah. Yes. Shit like a goose. <laughs> yeah, they're nice. <laughs> hey, you, know, you know, the other thing, Dr. Steve, is I wonder if he, if in addition to the Beno, if, if that pep, Pepogest or that IV guard might help keep the inflammation out of his bowel. Yeah, maybe. Possibly, you know. The other thing is you could be getting constipated, and then when that plug gets of hard turd gets let loose, you've got all this uh, liquid uh, fecal matter behind it, in which case the thing that would help that the most would be uh, citrusel. All right. Anyway, that well, actually, I will try. I will try both. That actually might help as well. So let us know. Call us back. Let us know. Yeah. And uh, any change right, in bowel habits, so. any change in bowel habits that goes on for more than uh, a week or two, uh, it, if it doesn't resolve completely, needs to be evaluated. And it's how old are you? Uh, Fifty-seven. Okay. Have you ever had a colonoscopy? Yes, I have. Okay. I was. I was fine. Okay, how long ago was it? Uh, three years ago, four okay. years ago. Yeah, you should be okay. I'd still report it to your uh, primary care so that they know. But hey, um, I'm I'm going in here pretty soon. So. Okay, sounds good. All right, buddy. All right, thanks. All right, let us know. All right, I will. Okay, let's see here. Hey, we had one that hung up. It was from area code eight six five. Let's just call them back see if they'll answer. You mm, want to? Yeah. <laughs> Say, why'd you hang up on me? <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> oh, no, don't say that oh, now. That's lady hey, why'd you hang up? Well, yes, I had an incoming call. <laughs> <laughs> We're just messing with Sorry. you. Sorry. No, I'm just messing with you. It's Dr. Steve. I, you I, still want to be on the air? Sure, that's fine. I'm sitting here playing with a barber flex, so why not? All right, what you got? Uh, false positive. Test results and stuff. How come? How come the doctor just can't tell you if it's very simple or not as far as what your tests are? You know, like you tested positive, yay! Well, that's wrong. Right. And then they tell you, well, we we made a mistake. You were not positive. Can you give I us mean, give us the context first off? Well, let me let me just say this: doctors need to quit saying fucking positive and negative mm-hmm. because patients think of positive and negative in exactly the opposite way that we do. If you have a negative balance in your on your um, check checking statement, that's bad. If you have a negative attitude, that's bad. If your HIV test is negative, that's good. So uh, we should say normal and abnormal. That's first. Yes, stop please. saying positive and negative. All the medical students that are listening out there, stop it. Normal and abnormal. Okay, so what's the context of your question? What kind of thing did they tell you, and then what was the consequence of it? It was my mother, my mother-in-law. She was all excited because they called her and told her that she tested. Oh no, we just lost him. Are you there? Oh, for God's sake, let me call him back. I want to hear this. There, where'd he go? Okay. Da da. Da, da, da. No, 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 no. You uh, you disappeared. Okay, so your mother-in-law, okay. they called up and told her what? That's where you cut out. Okay. She tested positive for the flu. So she thought, yay, that positive means it's good. I don't have it. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> and, you know, no. 
that means that you do have it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, just uh, just exactly what I was talking about. Sorry, I stole uh, your thunder. I thought you were going to say something other than that, and so I wanted to get the positive and negative soapbox out of the way before we <laughs> And that's what it was about. So, yeah, no, it's bullshit. Say normal or abnormal. Or, yes, or you how have. How about you have the flu? You have the flu. <laughs> yes. That's too easy. Right. Again, We're an intermediate. You had the flu. An intermediate endpoint. <laughs> Your test was positive. <sighs> That's not what we're interested in. Do I have the flu or not? Right. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. So she was all excited. And, uh, all excited. And then, and then they. Called the wife, called the wife. They set her up and knocked her down. So they didn't elaborate. Yeah. They just said you were positive for the flu, and then they hung up, and then she went and yeah. called your wife and said, hey, I don't have it, because they said my test was positive. Yeah, they called and left her voicemail. Oh, my. Oh, my Our God. <laughs> okay, now I'm getting mad. Yep. Let her rip. Yeah, you don't yeah. give bad news. There's a whole protocol for breaking bad news, even if it's as as – um, uh, as minor, which sometimes is not minor, as telling somebody they've got influenza. But to just say your flu test was positive and hang up without any – I mean the first rule of breaking bad news is you always say what you're going to do about it. You don't just say, well, you got cancer. Oh, by the way, uh, oh, our time is up. Yeah. You know, you have cancer hey, and here's what we're going to do about it. Click. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doubly uh, – now I'm getting angry. We're going to have to stop the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to go do a lap. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry that happened to her. Have a cup of coffee. Have a cup of coffee. That way it makes you – That's right. It helps your liver. I'm going to find one that says beer. craft beer makes you live longer. Yes. You know, I've been trying – I've been on uh-huh. keto for some time now and I'm not losing weight and it's because I'm still drinking beer because it's not keto. Mm. So I'm going to have to stop drinking for a while. What? Oh, my God. I know. I, I'm very Or just very be pissed. happy with there's, who you are. There's proof well, that – I'm mod- a big fatso. There's, there's proof that moderate consumption of alcohol makes Maybe you Maybe I could drink longer. wine, but I can't just drink a little bit of wine. It tastes so good. It just oh, goes down so easy. God. So. Okay, if I if I drink wine, I'm going to wake up at one in the morning. I don't know why that is. Yeah, with if a, I drink wine, I'm going to wake up between one and two. I'm going to be awake. Yeah, and yeah, 40. me too. Why is that? Uh, not, I don't know. I mean, it happens to me too. Um, <laughs> maybe I could do vodka in that in one of those drinks, you know, like ice even. or something. Yeah, yeah or even or club ice. soda with a little lime juice in it or something. By the way. I'm. I don't want this to turn into a cooking show, but mm-hmm. uh, we went to the Keys recently, and we found uh, this place called Lorelei Restaurant in Isla Morada, and they had the best key lime pie that my kids. My kids ate key lime pie every single place they went, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that was their favorite. Mm-hmm. And so I emailed the guy because I looked everywhere trying to find a recipe that looked even remotely like mm-hmm. it. There's and so I, many. And, I re, uh, and he had it already pre-printed up, so I don't think he would mind if I gave it out on the air. because. And it's so unbelievably simple. Uh, the the first thing was this stuff was white. It looked like cheesecake, but it wasn't – You know, there was mm-hmm. no ta- – you could tell there wasn't any cream cheese in it. And uh, I tried making it with whipped cream. Oh. And you know, whipping cream up, and it, but and if you froze it, it came out okay. But if you let it sit for any time at all, it just would bleh, turn back into cream again, right? 
So I researched some stuff called um, stabilized whipped cream, which you can use to make frosting, like a whipped cream frosting. And it's where you take gelatin and you take a packet of gelatin, put it in a, a few tablespoons of water, you let it sit, and then you heat it up till the gelatin dissolves. And then as you're, as you're uh, whipping your cream, you dump in there's some science behind this. So you dump in the gelatin, and uh, when it cools, it'll stabilize. You know, even at room temperature, it'll keep its shape. So uh, I thought that might be it. So I emailed the guy, and I was all this, you know, hey, I, I researched this, and I researched that, and I could tell you didn't do th-. And then he just sent me a picture of this thing that they give out at the restaurant that has the recipe. <laughs> I thought he'd be all impressed that I'd researched stabilized whipped cream. And, but I was right. I'll give myself one of these. Give yourself a bill. He uses stabilized whipped cream, but it's Cool Whip. Oh, I love Cool Whip. So you take an eight-ounce thing of Cool Whip. Oh. All right, a third of a cup of uh, key lime juice mm-hmm. and a, a a fourteen ounce can of sweetened condensed milk, Ooh. and you just mix it all together, and it ends up looking sort of like pudding. And you put that in. I'm going to do it in a springform pan with a homemade cracker, graham cracker crust, which is really easy to make yeah. too. You just Google that, and uh, and then you freeze it, and when it comes out, uh, even frozen, it's not like a frozen, frozen solid no it's yeah. not it never complete it doesn't you know the texture is perfect if you let it sit out for even five minutes like you know pull it out and, sl- and um, slice it up before uh, uh, you know you're ready to serve it it'll be perfect and it is fantastic have it's, you made it yet mm-hmm. oh I have some downstairs oh. and you can have some as soon as we're done yeah because I now that we're home, I can't get the boys to eat the fucking shit. Really? Yeah, they're like, nah. Little stinkers. Well, because it's not the same. Mm-hmm. When you're in Tennessee and it's cold and rainy, yeah. yes, uh, nobody wants to eat key lime pie. But when you're in the Keys, you know, and it's, yes, palm mm-hmm. trees and the warm nice. Warm breezes. Exactly what I was going to say. Warm, nice warm breeze Sandals. and the sun's going down and you can watch the sun go down over the over the Gulf, yeah. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's awesome. But anyway, there you go. That's all I got. So is the show over? Yeah. Okay. All right. Of course it is. Round one. <laughs> Stacy, you got anything else? That's it, man. That's it. That's all good. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. Hey, don't forget Vic Henley, your old buddy, coming August 2nd to uh, – uh, the Allendale Amphitheater in a town called Kingsport, Tennessee, not too far from the Weird Medicine Studios. So we'll. Uh, it's and a f- I've already promised to bring him moonshine. So yep. Make oh a shit! Day I'll of give it. him moonshine. I got all kinds of day. I got moonshine. You I made moonshine. Yes, oh. you're aware of that. You've had some of my moonshine. I that used you to, made. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I made it from uh, molasses and white sugar and uh, fermented it and distilled it. I was an organic chemist, so that's mm. cake. And uh, let it sit over uh, fresh cherries for a year. Ooh. It was very good. So, uh, But anyway, yeah, August 2nd, free concert. Kingsport, Tennessee. Uh, email me for uh, uh, lodging information, and there will be information up on etncomedy.com pretty soon. Don't forget Dr. Scott's website. It's simplyherbals.net. That's simplyherbals.net. And uh, don't forget uh, stuff.drsteve.com. Please use that. really helps. Stuff.drsteve.com. Tweakedaudio.com has the best earbuds for the price on the market. 
And uh, if you put in the offer code FLUID, you get 33% off, uh, which is amazing. It's like getting three for the price of two or one for the price of two-thirds of one. But anyway, um, uh, if you're interested in getting archives, why would you? Why would you not? Okay, very good. Um, I I can't imagine why you would want to, but uh, that's the kind of salesperson I am. I'm Mm. terrible. Uh, Go to premium.drsteve.com, premium.drsteve.com for a buck 99. You can uh, get access to all of our shows plus our premium content such as it is. And there are a few premium shows on there. So uh, check that out. I'm I'm not interested in doing Patreon, really. I'm just trying to get all of our stuff behind a paywall so my employer doesn't listen in. All right? Anything else? Sounds good to me. What else you got? I want to thank uh, Dr. Scott, Lady Diagnosis, Derek Johns for hanging out with us. We can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, Eric Nagel, Roland Campos, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, Daniel Ross, Ron Bennington, Fez Watley who's early supported this show and has never gone unappreciated. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine.